check, check, mic check. Show presented by Empire on Club taking your calls and looking ahead to the races with your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody. Thursday, May 28th, 2015. The Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by Infab is on the air live. It's noon Pacific. Happy to be here. Two rounds down of the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Championships. Ten to go. This weekend coming up Lakewood, Colorado. That's right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. We're going to take your phone calls, uh, 702-586-PULP, and we're going to talk to a couple of uh, experts in the name of uh, Jason Wygant and Grant Langston, the TV voices of motocross. They're both going to be on the show to talk about the series so far, what we've seen uh, going on in the two rounds, and what we should see going forward. So... Thanks to those guys. Also, thanks to the folks at Fly. We're giving away a set of Kinetic Rockstar gear on the show, and all you got to do is call in and ask a decent question. That's right. It's going to be our judgment. Up to us. Ask a good question. Maybe, maybe you win a set of Fly Kinetic Rockstar gear. And uh, we thank Fly for coming on board. The Sector Boot, it's brand new. It's out there. Torsion control system, slip-on inner booty, positive latch, buckles, adjustable strap system, breathable 3D mesh comfort lining, microfiber rubber construction, reinforced sling plate with polyethylene anchor, performed removable footbed, single compound replaceable rubber sole, inner rubber heat guard. That's right. All of that and more. Uh, it's their entry into the premium off-road boot segment. It's packed with all the features and tech you come to expect from every Fly Racing product. Fly Racing making much more than boots and cool gear. People check out their mountain bike section. Check out their uh, bars, grips, levers, that kind of things. Their hard part section. Flyracing.com. Thanks to those guys for making this show happen. And dress up your Jeep, truck, or SUV with the hardest-looking, hardest-working accessories from... NFAB, N-FAB.com, proud sponsors of the JGR NFAB team with Pike, Barsha, and Nicoletti. NFAB's all over those guys and a big part of the JGR racing effort. So we thank uh, NFAB for coming on. Great show. Looking forward to hearing what you guys got to happen, what you guys think are going to happen this weekend. Christian Craig on a Geico uh, Honda. That's going on. I think Kyle Regal will be riding a Star Yamaha. Um, as a fill-in for, for Cooper Webb or Anthony Rodriguez, one of those two. Christian Craig's there for uh, Justin Bogle for a little while. So, yeah, we got a few new riders in the MX2 class. And uh, I don't know if Zach Bell's there or not, but maybe Zach Bell's there. Maybe not. Maybe he's gone. And uh, obviously we've got the Eli Tomac show going on in the 450 class, but Kenny Roxon is getting better and healthier and feeling better. And uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing an even better Kenny Roxon this weekend in Lakewood. I'm Steve Mathis. Thanks for calling. With uh, thanks for listening and calling too. Uh, with me producing the show, holding things down over there. He, he, I got him some new Oakley, so he's very stoked. The Tis Legendary. You better believe it. What about your guy Dungy and his mechanical problems? I'm surprised you didn't go down to Temecula, knock on the door, and try to beat down Roger DeCoster. Uh Carlos is actually the one who I was going after. Oh, okay. I was trying to track down his yeah. address, but I didn't have any luck, and it's a good thing. Hey, those uh, uh, he would have got it. Those sixth. That six is going to hurt him. That is going to hurt him. That was bad. <laughs> I was I was watching it, and all of a sudden it says, "Oh!" And he comes right at six. I'm like, "What? What happened?" Yeah. Oh, I was. My heart was broken. It's, it's gonna. It's gonna suck for him for sure. Uh, he's yeah. gonna have a hard time making up those points, uh, little by little. So, uh, yeah, Ryan Dungey, six uh, two this weekend. A couple of bike problems, and uh, not uh, not that happy with everything that's going on right now. Dungey, he's uh, he's better than everybody else right now, but he's far from uh, from uh, Eli Tomac. So I'm pretty surprised at Tomac's domination so far. That's an understatement for me. <laughs> um, we knew he'd be good. I, the thing, honestly, I'm more surprised is that uh, I thought uh, that Dungy's bike, you know, how well it was working in the Supercross, that it was all mental. Yeah. I thought it was all part of the, you know, the, the whole Alden Baker thing. He's like, you mm-hmm. know, don't worry about it. Apparently I was wrong because now he's complaining about bike problems. So 
shows yeah, how much he's, I know. Uh, he's not that pumped on his bike right now from what I hear from behind the scenes. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting. We thought it would be – we thought the bike was better. He's told us it's better. People have ridden it have said it's much better, the factory edition machine. But maybe it's not working out so well uh, outdoors right now for him, which is a real shame because we need to see uh, – we need to see somebody trying to challenge Eli Tomek and make a race of this thing. But you know what? There's still a great battle from uh, from third on back, including Kenny Roxon. Maybe he separates himself. But from fourth on back, there's still a great battle. Justin Barsha rode great at Glen Helen. Pikes have put in four solid motos. Baggett, we know, is going to be there. Reed was much better at uh, Glen Helen. So maybe we just like kind of pretend the battle is from uh, third on back. Maybe that'll work if we just kind of pretend that. I don't know. 702-586-7857. Give us a call anytime. Going to come up with uh, Jason Wygant on our on our next uh, next guest here coming up to the Voice of Motocross and then Grant Langston a little bit. So uh, Lakewood National coming up this weekend outside of uh, Denver, Colorado. Don't know if any, any of you guys listening have been there. It's a great race, sneakily underrated. It's cool tracks all on the hillside. Elevation, so the bikes are slow. The riders get a little bit tired, um, which all kind of sucks for them. But not for for us listening, so or watching, I should say. So, it's a it's a good race. I like it. It's it's got good dirt. Um, the rains have been there all week, which is a little scary. But I just checked the weather forecast before coming on, and it's supposed to be um, like in the 60s and no rain on Saturday, but rain Friday night, some rain on Sunday. So it, it, it with, with the weather there, it comes and goes pretty quick. It's hot up by the mountains, so. I wouldn't necessarily uh, stamp that weather forecast, but as of right now, according to the weather forecast, it should be a good day. Although, like I said, they've been getting a ton of rain there. So we might be in for a bit of a sloppy morning. Um, Somebody else who knows all about sloppy mornings and sloppy joes. RaceRex Online editor and uh, the voice of American Motocross, Jason Wygant. What's up, Weege? Sloppy joe, sloppy, sloppy joe. (laughs) See? Told you. Sloppy joe. Uh, Yeah. Hey, um... More pump for you, the Canadian Nationals kicking off this weekend, or Lakewood? Uh, ATV Motocross has been a great season so far for ATV Motocross. Joel Hetrick coming on. So, uh, yeah, more pumped on that than Canada. Is that all right? <laughs> no, it's not all right. It's not all right. Metcalf. Hey, I want to I tell everybody around the world, tune into Mavs TV a half hour early. And before Lakewood, you can catch the latest round of the Mountain Dew ATV Motocross Championship hosted by yours truly. Oh, wow. Do you have a color guy, or you just call the action? Yeah. Hey, when it's ATVs, I don't need an expert analyst. I am the expert, bro. <laughs> you are. That's a good point. Uh, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll need to look into that. I'll, I'll see. Um, how's okay. Fly Racing's Chad Weenan doing? Is he killing it? Uh, he's actually lost the points lead. He lost the last two rounds. To uh, fly racing, Joel Hetrick, I believe they're pretty much all fly racing, as far as I know. <laughs> right, yeah, JT claims quad guys are all fly racing, and and they have the, the quad title on lockdown. So it's like every pro wears fly. I believe that's the case. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. <laughs> hey, uh, well, we listen the Canadian Nationals: Metcalf, Gurky, Fasciati, Thompson, Teddy Mayer, going at good. it, right? That is good. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, is Gerke, I know you talked to Gerke recently. Is he ready to go 100%? Uh, yeah, I just started riding. I don't think he's 100%, but he's been riding, so that part is good. He wasn't oh, okay. sure if he could get much time in, um, but, uh, yeah, he's been riding a little bit from his collarbone injury. suffered at the final round of Arena Cost, so. Um, yes. um, hey, Colorado, Lakewood National, uh, it might be a wet one. Um, going to be tight to see. It's going to, they apparently have got rains all week, so it's going to be a bit sloppy probably at some point in the day, but, you know my feelings on this national. I like it. This is this is an underrated race to go to. Yeah, it really is good. Um, but on and off the track, to be honest, the, the being close to Denver and all the amenities that come with that track's easy to get to. It's not in the remote hinterlands like most of the rounds. That's great. But we've actually seen some really good racing, especially in the two fifties. Um, almost every year we've been there, which leads me to think that the reduced power somehow allows the guys to be a little bit more racy. I don't know if that's a coincidence or not, but the second motos, or the 250-class motos, are almost always really good. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think there's something to that. The bikes are slower, you know? Everyone's kind of just tapped everywhere. It doesn't get that rough and gnarly. It gets ruddy and stuff, but it doesn't get crazy rough. So I think the guys are able to just pin it around the whole track, you know? Yeah, Um, Yeah, they can't really... I think they can't, like... You can't pass the other guy. You're just, like you said, you're just all tap. You're just all going the same speed. So to even make a pass, you have to go mm-hmm. all out, and it takes laps and laps of a guy putting pressure on. Yeah. 
tight racing. And uh, it's uphill start is cool, and uh, yeah, it's it's all on the side of a hill, so you can from the pits from the pits you can see a lot of the track, you can see a lot of the moto. I like it. It's good. Good race. Yeah, um, yeah, highly underrated, and, and Denver's not a bad place in general. It's not just close to a city, but it's close to a really cool city and a cool area. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, um, we got a couple of t- couple of things. Uh, let me talk to you about first of all, and they kind of carry over from the Pulp Show. Uh, the JGR guys, they're close to your heart. You, you 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 live out there. You go to the shop a lot. They've been killing it with their three guys. Who do you expect to see as top JGR rider at the end of the season in the points? Oh, it's so close. Uh, Pike has been better than Barsha uh, each moto this year, really. He was actually catching my seal in the second moto at Glen Helen, but then he had his um, uh, near-death experience yeah. and that sapped him. But he was catching him, uh, yeah. and he caught him uh, mm-hmm. from just a ways back also at Hangtown. But as close as it is, I still like what I'm seeing and hearing from Barsha. I think he's turning things around. Um, I'm still going to give him the slight edge, but almost a coin flip between those two. Obviously, we all love Phil, but mm-hmm. to assume that Phil's going to be, you know, he has to be almost a podium guy every week to beat them. That would be awesome, but I don't know if that's realistic. Filthy Phil just coming out and laying it down, just podiums every weekend. <laughs> yes. That'd be superb. Even, even he went, might be happy at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, not punching himself in the head. Right, right. For one. Uh, 702-586-7857. Give us a call here on the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Jason Wygant. Uh, on the line from Racer X and the voice of American Motocross. Hey, uh, hey, um, the um, Ryan Dungey, not that pumped on his bike yeah. right now. A lot of testing going on. Um, he's not exactly pumped. He had a couple of mechanicals cost him the second place in Moto One. Um, it's early, but he's acting like it may not be that early. He's already a little stressed, from what I hear. Yeah, um, the scuttlebutt is. I think that they're not quite seeing eye on this because. Um, I, I think Dungey wants to – Dungey's getting beat by large margins uh, by Tomac. Mm-hmm. So he wants to think there must be more in the motorcycle that we can make up the ground. Yeah. I think the team is a little more like, well, we don't know if we have any glaring issues, besides the mechanical issue they had. Yeah, of course. At, uh, right. First motor, yeah, they don't want that to happen again. But beyond that, you know, I think you have to look at what really changed is just that Tomac got a lot better all of a sudden. He did. Dungey's beating everybody else that he would normally beat. So is it really that the KTM or Dungey are having a problem, or is it just that somebody else got better? Mm-hmm. And you've been on teams, um, you know, I would imagine in your Yamaha days when you guys were chasing Carmichael, you have to be careful to not start fixing things that aren't broken because you assume, well, if this guy's beating us, yeah, something must be wrong. Let's change the force. Let's change the tires. Let's change the, uh, the, the engine package when really maybe none of those things were bad, and then you actually make yourself worse. So. I think Dungey wants big changes, and the team is trying to caution against that, and they're maybe butting yeah. heads a little bit. Yeah, I don't think – I'm try, you know, in my day, yeah, Carmichael was beating everybody bad, pretty bad, and I don't think there was a lot of panic as far as the bike goes underneath the tent. I don't remember there being a lot. We always would test. We'd always try new things out, but there wasn't a whole lot of scrap it all, you know, scrap it all. We were – hey, it's Ricky Carmichael, and he's, riding, he's a really great rider. You know, what are you going to do? Well, yeah, but that's the team's theory right <laughs> yeah, now. Like, yeah. Tomac is riding awesome. Let's not ruin ourselves because, mm-hmm. you know, Dungey, like I said, is kind of at the level that he should be. He's still beating everybody else by a pretty large margin, so right. they can't be that horrible. It, it will be interesting to see if Kenny gets in there and what, what if Kenny starts beating Ryan. We could be in for a, a real problem yeah. then. Uh, Kenny's going to get better and better. And uh, although he he does admit his, his that second photo, that second photo, he had a tip over it. I didn't see, but early in the laps, yeah, he was um he he showed a wheel here and there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So you know, according to Kenny, his back could flare up at any time and act act uh-huh. up again. But uh, until it does, he, he might get up there. He might be better and better every week. I think the real question I still have with him: the back took so much attention. I don't know exactly where Kenny was even before. Whatever is the nine days before Hangtown, the back flared up. Right, but he had the ankle injury. It's still a new team and bike for him outdoors for the first time. Mm-hmm. How ready was he, uh, even with the back removed? Like if the back isn't a problem at all, is he still as good to go as he say would have been at this time last year? Mm-hmm. Or with the ankle and the team switch and all that, was he still a little bit behind? Uh, that's what I'm wondering. Is there anybody? And we talked about Barsha a little bit. I'm I'm. Believing in Baggett, uh, Pike has certainly shown some great speed. 
Is anybody other than Dungey or, or Roxon going to get into into a podium spot regularly? Or are those three going to be the guys you think going forward from here? I kind of think they are. Yeah, I, I definitely think that's the case. I had some faith that Baggy could maybe get it done, but um, right. he seems to have really tempered the expectations from his own perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and I think you've already seen it bear out in the motos. Like, there hasn't really been a threat. Like I said, Roxanne for a few laps was maybe showing a wheel to Dungey here at Glen Helen, but otherwise no one else has really been a threat. So I don't know why you would think any of that would change. Roxanne, you're going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He's mm-hmm. beaten Tomac and Dungey before. Why wouldn't you assume he could at least run with them? Everybody else, I think, at this point would be a big surprise. Yeah, I'm thinking Roxanne's going to get better, Dungey's going to get better, and I, I think those guys might pull away from everybody else, you know? Uh, unless, of course, you know, disaster strikes one of those three guys. But I don't know. We'll see. It's a long season. Yeah. And, well, the way the Nationals have gone, man, it traditionally goes like this. It traditionally is you get some set of one or two guys that break away from everybody else, and um, mm-hmm. if one of them goes out, the other guy just keeps on dominating. Yeah. Uh, you don't really see six guys come on strong in the second half of the year and make it more competitive no. than it started, especially in the big class. Reality sets in for a lot of these dudes. <laughs> They're like, okay, all right. Um, let's get to some phone calls here. We have uh, Sean. What's going on? Sean, you have some future headlines? Oh, yeah. I want to bring them back for you guys. Well, I'd like to bring them back. Some people on the Pulp Show don't like them, but I enjoy the future headlines. Well, I think they should be played ahead of time. Um, That way we can kind of see if they come true, and you can talk about it on Monday on the Pulp Show. Okay. So I got got, uh, two for 450 and two for 250. All right. First one being Bearded Barsha Batters Pike. Okay. Or or Pimpin' Pike proudly passes Barsha. Uh, do you, I mean, but is this a is this a series? Is this a, a race? What do you what do you? No, we're we're doing we're doing just for this race. Oh, just for this race. Um, I think Barsha's gonna. I feel like the Barsha. I feel like Glenn Allen's gonna help him out. Gonna give him some confidence. He surprised me. Uh, how much better he was. Um, I mean, I thought he was okay at Hangtown, but he did get tired. He did lose some time, serious time. So, I like the I like the Barsha one. What do you think, Weege? Yeah, like I said, I'm just still leaning. I'm just still giving the benefit of the doubt. I'm leaning toward, I think Pike's better right now, but I think that Barsha's on the verge of taking some steps here. So, mm-hmm. Bearded what Barsha. Bearded, what was the positive one? Bearded Barsha batters Pike. Yes. Okay. I like it. All right. What else you got, Sean? Uh, Roxon's run to stay champ in, or Roxon runs to the podium. Rox, what's the first one? Roxon runs what? Roxon's run to stay champ ends. Stay, as in, you know, something bad stay champ. Got it. Or, right, right. No, yeah. Uh, it's already over for Kenny, if you ask me. I like Roxon runs what? What's the second one? Uh, Roxon runs to the podium or Roxon's run to stay champ ends? Yeah, the first one. Roxon's run to stay champ ends. What do you think, Weege? Oh, I, it took five times for me to understand. Run to stay champ ends. Um, it's going to be tough to make up those points. I yeah. know we like to say anything can happen, but again, you look at the history of the 450 class, and usually anything doesn't happen, especially with two guys. He's um, forty nine. He's forty nine points down to Tomac, and he is uh, thirty points down to Dungey. So that's that's tough. At, and we all know how consistent Dungey is, but honestly, Tomac outdoors. Uh, you can't go ahead and YouTube Eli Tomac motocross crashes. There aren't really many. He, he's not. No. Horribly consistent. I mean, um, even outdoors. even last summer when he came back, he missed the first four. I think comes back and like his worst is a fourth. You know, he he gets up. Yep. To, he got up to fourth pretty much right away. Canard, Dungey, and Roxon would beat him, but that's it. That would be a terrible motor yeah. for him. Was the fourth? So yeah, it's going to be tough unless, of course, injury strikes. If injury strikes both those guys, then okay, let's change it. But as of right now, I think his uh, I think his run to the top will uh, will be over. All right, Sean. What else? Okay, Amart is showing Jmart speed, or shows Jmart speed, or Jmart falls behind Amart in points. Um, well, those are both good for Amart because he's showing Jmart speed, and then yeah. and then you're saying Amart's beating Jmart. Uh, no, Amart does not beat Jmart. I don't think he shows his speed. I don't even know if he shows his speed. I, right now, uh, Martin and Muscan, I think, are are the class of the 250 class right now. What do you think, Weege? 
Yeah, Amart has been awesome, and I'm almost more intrigued by this than anything that I'll be watching this weekend. Like, I just cannot believe <laughs> how much better he's gotten yeah. and how far he can go with it. But uh, at no point do I think that he's – honestly, I don't think anybody in the class is better than Jmart. So I yeah, where we're at. Yeah, I felt like I kind of gave Marvin the, the shaft um, in my observations column because I didn't talk much about him. But, I mean, he went 1-1. He rode great. But, man, I was – it was just – I was impressed with Jeremy. You know, and the speed he showed, and yeah, poor Marvin. Hopefully, I wrote a column today on the RacerX site. Martin was not bothered by any of the horrible stuff that happened to him at Glen Helen because I don't think he cares. I think he's like, I'll spot these guys' points. I will beat every one of these dudes. I'm not even worried. Yeah, the guys that kind of confidence, look out. Yeah, 20 more motos. He's not worried exactly. All right, Sean, last one, right? Yep, last one. What do you got? Uh, okay, so there's two teams that have definitely uh, fallen off and that's uh, Pro Circuit and Geico. So, Pro Circuit's green machines mow the field, or Geico's replacement rips to the front. Green machines mow the field. Cincerillo will be up there before not too long, and uh, and I like Savachi's riding. I don't know when Bogle's coming back. Bichelli has been okay. Hampshire and Smith are rookies, so I'll take the PC thing. And Christian Craig, their replacement? Yeah, I mean, I think Craig will be 10 to 15 probably, right? He's a bigger dude. He's on a 250 at elevation. So what do you think, Weege? Yeah, Pro Circuit has a lot of positives, I think, going their way. Um, you'd really have to stretch, I think, to think that any of the Geico guys are all of a sudden going to be uh, winning motives for sure. Or, I mean, maybe Bichelli has a shot at a podium. Hampshire's had some good starts and has run okay. But you're asking a lot uh, for those guys where I think Savachi, Savachi and Cincerullo podiuming that's not even a. Yeah. That's not even a. That's not a surprising headline. That's just what they would do. Yeah. All right, Sean. Yep. Thanks, man. Thanks for coming up with that. We'll we'll, we'll revisit it on Monday. Yeah, you Very should. Uh, Future headlines. They, they rock. People love them. Thank you. Thank you. All right, except for except for JT. Adam, what's going on? Not much. How you doing? Good. How are you? What's happening? All right. Uh, are we going to see Millsaps this year outdoors or not? Millsaps apparently will be at round six, which is Red Bud. He'll be on a Suzuki. His own team. I think he's going to lease Nick Way's old truck or something. I don't know. Something. I heard something about that. But um, yeah, he'll be he'll be there on a Suzuki Monster back to show a suspension and uh, yeah, he'll be there, man. All right. So thanks. All right. All right. Gump, what's happening? Wait. Gump, what's happening? Hey, question for you. If uh, Nicoletti can back up this weekend with some more podium speed, how do you think his potential will be once he goes to the East Coast? Where Where's his top? I think his top's a podium. Uh, what do you think, Weege? Yeah, um, he definitely would get better, you would think, on his East Coast tracks, but I think you're asking a lot um, for to get third place. I mean, you just look at Reed, Anderson, Baggett, Grant, uh, Seeley, um, Pike Barsha, Roxanne Tomac Dunge. There's a lot of guys that he has to beat. So yeah. I'd say even if he's getting a few more thirds, that kind of What about at Unadilla if he gets the start? Done. If he gets a whole shot at Dilla? Whole shot at Dilla, where does Phil finish? 1 1. <laughs> there we go, Gump. That, yeah. There we go. That's yeah. what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Hey, hey, Mathis, if Tommy Hahn uh, gets a podium, you agree to walk home? No, no, I don't really care. Good job by him <laughs> if he gets a podium, though. That's awesome. But yeah, no, I'm not in that group of people like. Besides uh, JT, um, he didn't walk home, so okay. it didn't end up working. Yeah, yeah. All right, thanks, hey, buddy. Hey, Weege, you remember I met you at the beer tent a few years ago, and I put you on live? To Paul? Uh, yes, actually, I do. Yes, that's right. It was a phone call. It was a brilliant move. Um, you called. Was it was it Mathis's show? What was it? Yeah, I, it was live on Paul. I don't remember. Yeah, but. yeah that's right. Yes, I was in the beer tent, speaker phone. Brilliant move. Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, you don't since remember you don't Mathis? remember, Mathis, you should hook me up with the gear tonight or today. Uh, no, Gump, I, no, not today. Sorry, bud. Okay, I'll right. try Whoa. again. I know, you tried. All right. Jason, what's Whoa. going on? How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Good. What's your question? Hey, I just had a question about, um, like, the onboard cameras, like the GoPro stuff. Mm-hmm. Is that ever something that we're going to see on the TV show for the outdoors? Um I was just wondering about that while I was watching it earlier today. That would be kind of a cool feature if it was possible. Um, they're on there now, like highlights of the start, or what do you mean? No, like um, actual like live feed oh. while the racing's going well, on. Like, you know how they do some of the MotoGP right. stuff. If or, only we had somebody on t- on the line who is deeply involved with the TV broadcast. 
Yes, the voice. We've actually done it. Um, we've done it a handful of times. Um, Pike Ward in a Moto or two last year, Grant Ward in a Moto or two last year. I was told we were going to have two per class at every moto this year, but um, we've had four motos in each class, and I haven't seen a live one yet. So I'd say now, <laughs> wait until we have a, um, the three NBC motos, which I think the first one is Red Bud. I think it's Red Bud, Millville, and, and uh, Unadilla. I'm sure we'll see some then. Cool. All right. Thanks, Jason. Um, but here's Thank the problem. You. The more we do it, the more riders start wanting to not do it. Oh, really? <laughs> that. They really they, – that's what <laughs> – Yeah. Like, yeah. They're pumped, and then, of course, if they don't go out and dominate the moto by a minute, then they're like, oh, I don't want to wear this thing anymore. Yeah, it's so dumb. So, so, so yeah. dumb. But, yeah, what are you going to do? All right. Thanks, Jason. Tyler, what's up, man? You want to talk about Eli Tomac? Yeah. How's it going, man? Good. Thanks for calling the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. Thanks. Hey, yeah, so I was just wondering, um, you know, do you think Dungey would is on par with Tomac when he gets his bike dialed in, or do you think Tomac's just going to keep blowing him away? It's hard to believe that Ryan Dungey, a two-time national champion and one of the all-time winningest 450 outdoor guys, can keep getting blown away. But yeah. I'm, you know me, if you've listened to anything I do, I don't believe a bike can just turn around and make a magical difference. So yeah. I, I don't know. I, I got to think that Tomac's just on his game right now, even if right. Dungey gets it better. What do you think, Weege? Yeah, it's a six and one, half a dozen of the other. I'm definitely worried. Um but Dungey is always figuring out a way to get into it. I mean, even in the years where Villapoto was able to beat him for the title, at some point, out of, say, the 24 motos, six or ten of them, Dungey was right there at least fighting with him. So it just seems hard to believe that he would not figure it out like he always does. But this is a massive gap to make up. And even in those years where he did make up that gap, he didn't do it enough to win the title. So Tomac's looking very good right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, another yeah. part of my question, real quick, is uh, all these rumors with Kawasaki and Tomac. I mean, there's no way that Geico lets him go now, don't you think? Um, well, Geico's out of the having a 450 team, so they're done with that deal. They don't want to have another truck on the road and everything else. Eli's been pitting under the factory Honda truck, so if he stayed Honda, he would be Honda Honda factory Honda. Okay. But but I don't. I mean, I don't see it happening. I think he's gone to Cowie. So, anything new on that, Weege? What do you think? Yeah, I don't think it's a matter of anyone letting him go. Um, I think Honda, Honda and Cowie both put offers out there very early, I think in January or even December. Um, so it's really his choice. Uh, and I heard the one thing that might sway one direction, not the group, but uh, Tomac. Um, with Cowie, you're kind of you're going to be the, the guy. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know if Hans coming back or not or whoever they will, but there would be no question that he's a team leader where there's certainly some other good guys under the Honda tent with Sealy and Kennard winning races this year. So I think that might be one of the things that tempts him, but he's going to have a conundrum on his hands now. I don't know if he expected to be quite this good on this bike right now. It's going to be hard right. to walk away from that. Well, you, I, yeah, I think he still leaves, though. I mean, Honda will have a right to match no, and all that, will. but yeah. I think he will. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's not either side you know, letting him go. Right. Honda would have loved to have kept him. They tried. Yeah, you wonder. Sure, you, I don't know if it's happened. You wonder if the money's the same though. Honda's paying big bucks to Trey. Sealy's not cheap. You wonder if they had the money for the third guy. You know, for for to squeeze. Like, is the money equal? You know, yes. The prestige- so what I heard, um, not from Tomac himself, but I heard that the Honda deal was good enough to where uh, Tomac was ready to sign it, and then uh, then change his mind. Right. Um, okay. By the way, they were down this road two or three years ago, where Cowie Monster came in with a ridiculous offer. And then when it came time to actually sign the contract and really start paying that money, it never actually materialized, and he ended yeah. up still with Geico. So yeah, I heard the same thing. Uh, I don't. I, Honda's got plenty of money. They're with the HRC thing. You can tell they're invested. I don't think that was the problem. Right. All right. There you go, Tyler. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, guys. Appreciate it. One. Thanks, Daniel. What's up, man? How are you? Oh, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? Good. Good. Thanks for calling the show. Yeah, no problem. I was just curious. I saw some Instagram pictures of <clears throat> the KTM guys doing the motor swap for Dungey. And I was just wondering, no one plans to have a mechanical, but with all that chaos, every guy jumping in there swapping parts, do the teams ever have a drill once in a while, just like, hey, just in case this happens, we need to everyone be on point swapping a motor? Or are these guys just this good that they all start grabbing parts and it's organized chaos at its best? Yeah, we never, we never ever had a drill on any team I've been on, 
you know, I, I've never heard of it. Um, so no, I generally what happens is uh, each guy kind of takes a side of the bike, you know, um, and, and you're responsible for your side of the bike, and uh, and then another guy is going back and forth with the truck, uh, handing over tools, handing off parts. So it's kind of just known that that's the way you do it. I mean, maybe there's another way or a better way or whatever. That's how every team kind of I've been on. We've always done it that way. So. Yeah, it's just it's kind of cool to watch that, to see that many guys just jump in and yeah. no one really have to be told what to do and just be able to get it done. I was so. once one of those guys, Daniel. I was a skilled technician just like those guys you saw. I, I know. You, t- you took a lot of guys to the top. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And you know what? Do you want some fly gear? Yeah. That was an excellent point that I took guys to the top. We're going to give you some fly gear. Fly, oh, man. kinetic, you guys are the best. rock Thank star you. gear. You haven't won anything recently, have you? Uh, no, not recently. No. Okay, fantastic. You're going to win the gear then because I like the fact that you said it took riders to the top. So. Right on. Thanks. You Thank- guys have a great show. Thanks, Daniel. All right, stay on hold. Tits, you can get his info. Uh, that's all it takes, Weege. That's it. So, I would like to see the the side of the bike you worked on and the side <laughs> of the bike someone else worked on and then do a little comparison. It's, it's none of your business. Uh, <laughs> Benny, what's going on? Welcome to the Fly Race and Moto 60 show. All right, thanks for having me. Um, just wondering, and Weege may have a good insight on this, but I know in other motorsports, sometimes on the TV screen they'll put like what gear they're in, how much brake they're applying, how much throttle. So do you think the technology would ever, you know, be involved with motocross, be able to show that? Ah, telemetry. Yeah, it'd be awesome. Um, you know what I think would be the greatest thing to add? And they had it on a guy at Indy 500. They even had his breathing and heart rate. Uh, which would be the greatest thing ever, and uh, for sure the teams and riders would say, no, this is proprietary, this is secret. No way. They wouldn't allow it. I almost guarantee you they wouldn't allow it, Yeah, which is ridiculous because, okay, the Indy 500 is a monumentally bigger race with way more money on the line, yet those teams are willing to share those secrets. But uh, I I guarantee you they'd have a fight on their hands here, which is so dumb. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Thanks, Benny. Thank you, man. Uh, Justin, what's going on? How are you? Thanks for calling the show. Heart rate monitor is the greatest thing ever. Oh, yeah. Can you... Hey, not bad. How are you? Good. What's up? What's your question? Uh, I was going to ask you about that Chad Clayson deal. Chad Clawson, I forget the guy's name. Clade Clayson. Yeah. Clade Clayson, yeah. Do you see that, uh, the, uh, penalty there from the uh, yeah MX sports? yeah mx sports took away their season credentials uh or, or banned them from the pits i guess him and josh and my, don lieb and, and josh pitts i saw that has there ever been a between you and we can you recall another circuit instance where somebody went and sabotaged a bike like that <laughs> no no i remember a laser from the woods um <laughs> and um and honestly no i don't i'm this is this is beyond that the laser That's was crazy, too, you know. But, yeah. I mean, I understand. Look, the guys owed money, all that kind of stuff. I get it. There's legal ways to get your money back um, other than doing something like that after a guy is qualified. I'm just – I just – I, yeah, it blows me away. Well, they just offered to remap his bike, and then they just completely detuned it or Yeah, I don't know. I guess, yeah, they, they either they either snuck it in, they offered to do it, they, they distracted him. I don't understand how that part happened, but um, – yeah. Yeah, it's really crappy. Uh, Weege, yeah. did you hear about this or read about it? I'd heard that they offered help, and then the tuning that they put in there with the bike would only idle. You know, as soon as you got on the throttle, it was done. So if that's the case, I would love to see the poker face they must have had all day long. Hey, man, we're going to come out. We, we got some settings. You know, after practice, we'll, we'll come on over. And were they playing it cool the whole time? Yeah. How did they? Right. I would really be impressed with the poker face. Yeah. They were like for hours working with the dude during practice, and then the whole time was this evil. It was, uh, it's like I said, I mean, you know, the guy's pissed. He's owed money. I get it. But come on, man. There's better ways to do it than that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and good on Nick Schmidt, too, for hooking a guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good job by Nick Schmidt, for sure. I wrote about it in my column. Uh, yeah, props to him for doing that. Because giving somebody for your bike for two 35-minute motors of Glen Helen isn't fun. So. I guess one other question I have regarding that is, are you surprised how fast MX Sports came out with the penalty? Um, no. We are, are you? Is that, the, is that the final penalty, actually, I should say? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. And, and on the bottom, they said that the, at the bottom, they said that they can revisit this or whatever down the road. So I would imagine yeah. that, you know, there would, there'll be some, some sort of lesser penalty down the road about, okay, you're finally allowed back in or something like that. So what do you think, Weege? Yeah. Uh, what do you think of the penalty and, and the amount of time it took? Uh, I think it was pretty impressive. I mean, what was it, Wednesday that yeah. it came out? I think yeah. that's all you could realistically um, ask for. As far as how yeah. uh, harsh the penalty is, what I don't know is 
were Lee and or Pitts really necessarily involved with other riders? Like, are they banned from races they weren't ever planning on going to anyway? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You yeah. do. Right. I mean, you can't really, I don't think you can really find them. They're like, not really directly involved with the like series ba- anyway. It's like banning you from the Canadian but, Nationals. You're like, oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I won't make it. Or when they a guy gets suspended and he's injured anyway during that, that time. So yeah. I don't know really what else you could do. I don't think you can find someone who is not even, not even, well, you know, you can find someone who is, um, you know, paying for credentials or getting purse money. But how do you find just a random person that's not even involved with the racing directly? I don't even know if you can do well, that. Well, I know, like, Jeff Alessi, when he blue laser issue, wasn't Mike fine? Was that because he was part of the team? Or, I mean, would Michael leave? I know he's not there right now, obviously, but eventually, supposedly, he's coming back with the Barnes Bros team. Would he have, Would he be somehow implicated with this because it was part of his deal, being his father? And, yeah. The reason, they, they had an easy decision with the, Mike, with the Jeff Alessi thing because he was wearing yeah. Tony's credential and the team shirt, so they were Fair easily enough, able yeah. to wrangle that, it into, you're sense. involved with the team. Yeah. But Michael Lee would probably be like, what? What the heck do I got to do with this? Just my dad. Yeah. You know, yeah. work for him. So I don't know what more they could do. Yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Thank okay. you. No worries. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, lots of calls here on the Moto 60 Show, presented by NFAP. Appreciate it. Flyracing.com. Check them out. And uh, the brand-new Sector Boot is out. And, of course, the uh, latest, greatest gear as well, the 2015 spring launch stuff, is out. And uh, flyracing.com, official uh, presenting sponsor of the Lucas Oil AMA Pro Motocross Nationals. So, all right, Weege, let's uh, – Let's get to a few more calls, and then we'll, we'll drop you. Um, all right. Briggs, what's up, man? How are you? That's so much, guys. Hey, great show as always. Thank you. Um, hey, I got, I got a segment idea. Uh-oh. So okay. every week we love and hate the sport all over again, whether it's we love it because of, you know, a passionate ride by somebody or just seeing Tomac speed, mm-hmm. um, or we hate it because of, you know, the sport coming up and biting somebody ass all over again. Um, I think it would be cool. Um, listen to Sean Collier this past weekend on Pulse kind of made me think of it because he sounds like a guy who's been jaded by the sport so much as well as still loves it and does it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be cool either you guys do a round robin and ask everybody on the show or if you're really getting that vibe from a rider or a guest, you know, ask them, uh, you know, hey, just drop it, you know, sporadically, the, the love and hate segment. Okay. Yeah, we can think about that. Not a bad idea. Thanks, Briggs. What about you guys? Uh, over the past, I guess, since the start of the season, uh, for everybody on the phone, what has have you loved, made you fall in love with the sport all over again, and what made you hate the sport all over again? Go ahead, Weege. Um, first time I ever watched it on TV was a race at Unadilla back in, like, the mid-'80s, and um, the bikes that were winning were orange. They were actually Hondas at the time. But um, once I saw a sport where orange vehicles were uh, the ones to beat, um, my heart was uh, set forever. You were there. Onto and, orange. And now they're back. And now orange are back at t- up top. Yeah, just a different uh, different brand. Right. Um, now, I watched the, the uh, GP at Unadilla. I had a Hannah O'Mara battle that was awesome. I don't think this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And then once you actually ride, <clears throat> it's kind of hard-pressed for anyone to ride to say that it's not really fun and memorable and cooler than anything else you could do. As far as the bad side, uh, once you're on the inside like Steve and I are, you see all kinds of – I mean, I think we've used the word stupid three times on this very show today. This is a dumb decision, and these teams are stupid, or these riders are stupid. And it's like anything else, you get too close to it, you find out that not everybody is the hero that you wanted them to be, which you would think as a fan on the outside. But we got to get over that because it would be the same thing anywhere else we went to. Yeah, yeah. no matter where, what sport you're in, absolutely. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Briggs, thanks, man. Appreciate it. No, no, guys, not, a, not a bad idea. Weege, we're going to let you go. we got uh, Grant Langston on the phone. He's got more championships and race wins than you. So, Okay. Well, at least I won't have to carry him like I do on most Saturdays. Oh! <laughs> All right. Thanks, buddy. Ooh. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. Welcome to the show, Grant Langston. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I just heard Weege's last comment. Yeah. I'm going to give him a backhand when I see him <laughs> exactly. today. Why don't you bring your world and national titles and just drop them on, on his lap and be like, oh, I'm sorry. I, I just... well, the, the cool thing is with the uh, world championship, you get a you get a medal like a gold medal. Uh-huh. So I could just wear that like a gangster and then hit him across the head <laughs> with a plastic number one AMA plate. Right, right, exactly. Uh, welcome to the show, Grant Langston, uh, world champion, national title winner, voice of American motocross uh, on the Fly Race and Moto Sixty Show, presented by NFAB. All right, GL, we are two rounds down and uh, ten to go here. 
the both classes are sort of shaping up to be two-man battles unless Kenny Roxon can get better here. But let's touch on the 250 class first. Jeremy Martin, we saw what happened to him at Glen Helen, and uh, Marvin Muscan goes 1-1. Marvin's won three out of the four motos. But it feels, doesn't it feel like to you that Jeremy Martin was more of a winner at Glen Helen than, than Marvin was? Just a little bit to me anyways. Like the speed he showed coming through the pack and the bad luck he had. I still think Jeremy Martin's got the got a hold of this number one plate and he's going to defend it. I just He looks great. Yeah, he does, Steve. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, you know, we talk about in racing, you win your championships on your bad days. And so Jeremy Martin, you got to admit, Glenn Helen was a r- pretty rough day. Not the worst day ever, but that was a rough day. Um, you know, first moto, out of his control. But what I really um, respect from him is his maturity and his poise and his um, mm-hmm. positive outlook. It just seems like nothing rattles him. And I remember last year after Glenn Helen, I was like, after the first moto, I was like, wow, that was an impressive moto from this youngster. You know, let's see if he can back it up. Back right. it up. And I'm right. like, all right, let's see if he can do it the next weekend. And he did it the next weekend. Then I'm like, all right, let's see what happens with how he handles a bad day. And let's see if he can hold on till the end for the title. So every time I almost questioned him, he, you know, he proved his worth. And uh, so I've just stopped questioning Jeremy Martin. In my opinion, he's still the guy to beat at the moment. Mm-hmm. Marvin has picked it up. Marvin's riding great. He's riding with confidence. But Jeremy just has a little more raw speed at the moment. And um, I'm sure there's a few people that are going to look back at some of the results and stats from Glenn Helen and go, yeah, if Jeremy Martin had a decent day or had, you know, two decent starts like last year, he probably would have won. Um, But that is racing. You know, things like that do happen. We've seen it happen to people for many, many years that can have an effect on the outcome. You know, last year in the 450s, it was kind of the mud race that kind of, settled the 450 championship mm-hmm. in uh, Indiana. But I still think Jeremy Martin is a uh, worthy champion. He's proven himself all throughout last year. He was very consistent. Um, even when he got into battles or, you know, there was some uh, t- tough racing going on, he always handled his interviews and everything very professionally. Right. And I, I think if he doesn't get hurt, you've got you to gotta say he's still the guy to beat this year. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I think Adam Cincerillo was pretty impressive at Hangtown. Glenn Helen, he ran into problems. Can AC, or is there anybody else, do you think can get in, in the mix with these two guys, or are they are they going to be going forward like the clear-cut one and two guys in some order? Or do you think Adam, or is there another rider that you think can, can win races and win you know motos here and there? I think there will be a couple guys that can win motos here and there. Um realistically, you know, the, the cool thing in the 250s is you've got so much depth. I think you're going to see a lot of different guys on the podium, mm-hmm. and I mean that in the sense of you're probably going to have multiple second and third place overall finishes throughout the season because there's so many guys that potentially can be on the podium. Um, but I think if there's someone else that could challenge the number one and the number 25 this year, I, I think the only person, in my opinion, is Adam Cincerello. He's mm-hmm. got the natural talent. He's young. And maybe for him coming into the season, not 100% might be a blessing in disguise. Um, I think sometimes when you come in on the back foot, mm-hmm. you don't get overexcited and try to do too much too quickly. you got to remember there's still 20 motos. Um, there's a lot of points out there. There's 500 points available. Mm-hmm. So... Um, no one's out of the championship, but if we're looking long-term and realistically, I think Adam Cincerello, if he just keeps um, doing what he's doing, getting a little fitter, a little stronger, a little more confident, mm-hmm. the starts will come around, you know, then it goes from a moto win to an overall win, and, you know, he could go on a roll. He, he's got the ability to do that. Um, is it likely he's going to win? I'd say you probably would say the odds are a little bit against him on that, but mm-hmm. um, it would not surprise me at all if we're at the – Indiana this year talking about Cincerello wrapping up the title. Um, I think that's a very realistic possibility for a youngster because, yeah, he might be a rookie if he completes this full outdoor season, but he's got, I think his maturity is beyond his experience and his age. Mm-hmm. So I think he, I think he's one of those very rare uh, special breeds that come along 
once in a lifetime type thing or you know once in a blue moon mm -hmm. so i do i i expect a lot of big things from him you know i think he's handled himself well i think a lot of other people have basically expected him to do well and indirectly that puts pressure on his shoulders but i think this year with people talking about the other guys it allows him to just kind of be himself and he could just sneak through it and just get stronger and stronger and come on a run at the second half of the season um i think he could do it for sure yeah, no doubt. I mean, the, the the year Canard won the title, what was he down? I, I want to say he was down 34 points or 41 points or something yep. at the halfway point, yep. you know. Um, it's also rare to see a guy, a veteran, who's six years in the class, like Alex Martin, all of a sudden find speed, you know. You, you come in with expectations. You kind of are who you are. You can get better a little bit. But to see a guy, you know, struggle to get top tens in the Nationals, for years and years, and all of a sudden come out this year and just, you know, third in the points and second last weekend in one moto. How does a guy like Alex Martin get so much better? I don't know if he's just gotten so much better. I think he's just putting the little pieces of the puzzle together. You know, I've watched Alex. He's written he, his style, his technique, his approach. Everything has been the same for many years. I think riding with his brother is showing him just how to go a little bit quicker everywhere, you mm -hmm. know, you can say if you can save a hundred in every straightaway and corner um, by learning from someone that's quicker. You add it together to a little more speed, but not only do you get the speed, you get the confidence. All of a sudden, your start seems to be better. You know, all the little things start falling into place. Right. So, I mean, I'm happy for for Alex. Um, I got to imagine it's going to be tough being the older brother yeah. and your little brother's getting all the attention. So, um, I think they're good kids and. Um, didn't really surprise me to see him on the podium, but, you know, you don't expect that. And mm -hmm. I think it was just a nice, uh, refreshing change. And and um, for Alex, moving forward, obviously riding with his brother is a great thing because they're both holding the mail at the moment. Yeah. 702-586-PULP, uh, if you've got a question for uh, Grant Langston uh, on a Fly Race and Moto 60 show presented by NFAB. Moving on to the track a little bit, GL, I don't remember how you did at Lakewood over the years. What's this, What's the key to it? How do you do well at it? What, what's it all about racing uh, Racing it? How do you have success? Uh, Lakewood is definitely... Um, the track is not anything way out of the ordinary. Um, it's on the side of the hill, so it's got some elevation. And um, I think one of the biggest things is just making sure that you're familiar with your bike because everyone gets up there and all of a sudden the bike, they yeah. come in, my bike's slow. It's like riding a washing machine. It sucks. You know, what happened? Take the rag out of the airbox. It just, what happens with altitude. So it's how you adapt and how the, the team, the riders are proactive to get a good base. Something that, yeah, we know it's going to be a little bit slow, the bike. Mm -hmm. But if you're comfortable and you know what gear to start in and you know, you know, where the max RPM, you know, uh, where the meat of the power is in the RPM band, mm -hmm. you know, all that stuff. Yeah. That's a good start because the other thing, too, is getting a good start up there helps out a lot. Um, so you need a, a good rider will, will interact with his team and between them make good decisions to go into the weekend with a good base. Uh, besides that, it's one of those tracks, um, you know, the ruts are pretty good and um, the downhills and all that. I think your suspension needs to be spot on. Mm -hmm. um, the terrain's a little bit um, more of a clay kind of base compared to maybe a Glen Helen that they just came from. So I think it's almost anticipating the changes you're going to deal with. Because if you can get off on, a, on the right foot on the start of the weekend, I think it really helps carry through to the motos. Um, and we've seen other teams and riders and guys struggle because they're you know, just throwing everything at it, mm -hmm. trying to figure out where they're going and what they're doing. So I think really the key is just to have a game plan. Knowing that you're going to altitude, there's a good chance it's going to be a mudder. Um, I know they've had a lot of rain this week, and it's continuing to rain. Yep. Chance of the rain on race day, so that'll change things dramat dramatically as well. So I think there's a, there's a there's a few factors. Just you know, the simple thing is you throw an altitude, it changes up your program a fair amount. Yeah. And I think it's who can adapt to those changes the best. Yeah. If we see some, if we see some rain and we see a mudder and we got the altitude, there could be some dudes pushing their bikes off too. Nothing. You yeah. Know, that's, that's hard on bikes. So overheating, fuel boiling. I mean, there's a lot of potential, you know, that really almost makes it a real wild card event. You know, you yep. can see a guy getting no points, you know, a title contender getting no points because of 
a few factors thrown in there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being in the booth, <laughs> you always wanted to be exciting. So, you know, like Jeremy Martin made it exciting last week for us. But, um, no, I think Eli Tomac's going to be hard to beat. And I, the reason I say that is, is he's kind of reminding me a little bit of, you know, Ricky or even James, you know, when these guys were just in the zone. Yeah. No matter what track they went or what day or what the conditions, no one had anything for them. And, uh, you know, I think at this point, um, Dungey and guys like that, they're probably scratching their heads a little bit because, you know, you can go do all the testing you want, but sometimes when a guy is just riding better than you, um, you know, you got to almost start looking at what can I do better as well. Right. Yeah, stop looking at your machine or whatever, right? Um, yeah. It, is Chad Reed as bad as he was at Hangtown or is he as good as he is at Glen Helen? What's, now, he doesn't like Thunder Valley. It's not a great track for him. But what Chad Reed are we going to see going forward from here? Um, you know, sometimes with Chad, he can almost surprise you at how good he's ridden on certain days. Mm-hmm. And then at sometimes he's almost surprised me at how bad he's ridden <laughs> right. on certain days. You know, where you're like, man, he got lapped almost halfway through the race. And then a month or two earlier, he won a race, you know, type thing. So right, right. I think I think Chad's one of those guys, he, he never rides over his head. He rides in control. I think Sacramento was just a bad day for him because typically he's had good results at Hangtown. So mm-hmm. I think Hangtown was just a, um, a bit of an off day. And if Chad's not feeling it, um, you know, he'll just shut it down. You know, he, he won't ride over his head and get hurt, which is why the guy's entered almost every race that he's ever... You know, since he started racing, he's yeah. very consistent like that. Um, and that helps and hurts people because he may have had a few more race wins if he hung it out a little bit more, but he may have been in hospital more if he hung it out. So mm-hmm. uh, it's a catch-22, catch excuse the pun. <laughs> but uh, I think Colorado, like you said, maybe not his greatest track, but not somewhere where he'll shine. So I don't know. I mean, he might hate me for saying this, but I think, I think a 10th place would be a decent result this weekend. Right, right. Um, yeah, I think somewhere, somewhere in between his better performances and his and his weaker performances. But yeah, that's what I was going to say. So you're you're splitting the difference between the two rounds so far from what we've seen from the 22. Um, yeah. How much longer? Do, like Kenny, I talked to Kenny a little bit. You know, he was off the bike for 10 days before Hangtown. He, you know, his back's an issue. He, you know, said he's going to take a while to get up to speed. His arms pumped up a little bit at Hangtown. He was a little better at Glen Helen. What do we know about Roxon? Like, how, how much longer till we, till us can be like, okay, he's a hundred percent? How long will it take? I wish I had the answer. I have no idea. I, I know backs are a very delicate and, and temperamental body of body, um, but I mean, we know Ken Roxon can ride. Um, that's no secret. He's got talent. Right now, he needs to be um, healthy, comfortable, and get a little confidence back. I think he's lacking in all those areas at the moment for various reasons. Mm-hmm. But um, he doesn't look like someone to me that is really ready to win right right now. Um, but I think it can happen. I mean, if he gets, gets a whole shot on the weekend, I would not be surprised to obviously see him win. And I think that might help jumpstart mm-hmm. that whole mental side. Cause for a lot of riders... The mental side is a big part. They always try and tell you they're mentally tough, but <laughs> there's a difference between saying it and believing it. Right. And uh, so I think for him, you know, he said his back was feeling much better and his results showed at Glen Helen. So, you know, that, that probably gave him some confidence, like, hey, you know, I'm getting better and, um, I, you know, I, I'll be able to win here pretty soon. So I have no idea, Steve. I mean, he may start winning from here on out and mm-hmm. – you know, he might not win a race this year, or he might have more issues with that back and have to take a early, you know, winter's break. But <laughs> I guess we'll wait and see. We wrote about it this week on Racer X. So we've got Tomac, Dungey, and Roxon, and, and, and we think that they're the, the class of the field in the 450 class. But behind them, Barsha, Pike, Baggett, um, Anderson, um, who do you like to emerge from that pack of riders and be – you know, a regular guy, the best of the rest, let's say. Who do you like out of all those guys? Or maybe I missed somebody. Um, that's a tough question to answer because I think they're all going to have their up-and-down weekends. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I think Baggett is probably the closest, in my opinion, for knocking on the door of becoming almost that kind of regular, either on the podium or, you know, knocking on that door. But, um, you know, Pike has uh, impressed me just for, not, not just recently, but just for a while with his work ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's blended well with that JGR team. And, you know, for the most part at times, he looks like he's more happy and comfortable over there yeah. than just Marsha per se. Mm-hmm. And um, I've always said, you know, good teams and good riders, you think it's going to be a match made in heaven, and then sometimes things just don't work out. You know, right. remember when Chad Reed went to Monster Cowie? Um, that didn't go very well because you got personalities involved, and sometimes people just don't gel. Mm-hmm. But uh, bikes seem to have gelled really well with that team. I think the Yamaha is more of a rigid bike, so I think the bigger you are as a, as a rider, like bigger build, the more it helps with the flex on that. So I yeah. think Weston's gotten quite accustomed to it. I think he feels comfortable. So it's been nice to see him up there, and I think he's another guy that is just slowly creeping up in the confidence category. And he could also be another guy that's a bit of a, you know, regular on the podium. Right, right. Let's get to Michael. He's been on hold for a while. Michael, thanks for calling the show. What's your question? Hey, thank you, guys. And Grant, you're doing a great job on the TV broadcast. It's awesome to hear you. Um, I got a question in regards to the USGP. I saw a press release that uh, Husqvarna and KTM are going to attend and race that event. Do you think that uh, whoever makes the Motocross the Nations team will, will race that as well? And I'm kind of free-balling here, but how far before is Mexico? Is there a chance that they could even go down there for a trial run to kind of get some laps in that style of racing under under the belt? What do you think, GL? Sorry, I, I missed the beginning part of the question. The uh, the KTM and Husky guys have announced they're going to race the GP at Glen Helen. So Michael oh. Michael was wondering if the guys, if the Des Nations team would race Glen Helen, and if they would, would they ride the GP in Mexico, which I think is the week before, the two weeks before. Yeah, I think Mexico is the week before. Um, you know, I doubt it just because, um, you know, in the U.S., your race schedule is, it's long. I mean, it's uh, it's basically 30 weekends if you take Supercross, Outdoors, and the Monster Cup. And that's not to mention guys that go and do overseas races and donations and that. I think you will get, you will see, like you said, you'll see some of the guys um, doing the GP um, obviously I, I doubt, I don't believe it'd be mandatory for anyone. They may have been asked and with, uh, KTM and Husky's worldwide, um, interest, um, they're very focused on it with more of the Japanese brands. They're, they're really only focused on us motocross and supercross. Um, but I think it'll be cool. I mean, I, I always like when you see the, the best from, from Europe against the best from America, which is partly cool about the nations, but I don't think you'll see too many of the American-based riders doing too much racing, except for possibly just the Glen Helen GP. Yeah, I agree. If you were on the Des Nations team, though, Grant, if you were picked for any country, even South Africa, your own country, would you make it a point to race Glen Helen before the week before the Des Nations, or would you be like, "Hey, I, I want to just, uh, you know, not strain myself the week before the biggest race"? I, you know, based on trying to get product overseas and your race bike and this and that. I probably wouldn't do the GP, especially after I'd come off a long outdoor national series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's nothing to be gained, I guess, going to that GP. I'd rather just save it and try and, you know, hopefully surprise the guys with some great speed at the actual donations event. But right, right. Um, it's tough. You know, a lot of times people are like, oh, why doesn't he race? And he should race. But these guys, it's 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 been a long series. And if you've had a little naggling injured wrist or ankle or knee, the last thing you want to do is line up for a GP when you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, and there's no money, no purse money and stake, you know, nothing like for guys. Like, not that guys, when you race, didn't matter much about purse money, but still for some dudes, you know, it helps, and that's going to hurt them from oh, lining up. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks, Michael. Thanks for the call. Thank you, guys. Thank you. GL, thank you for coming on the show. Good stuff. Uh, appreciate um, Good job on the TV broadcast this year, and uh, thanks for taking some time for us. I appreciate it. Anytime, Steve. You're welcome. Thanks, buddy. Thanks, GL. All right, everybody. That is the Fly Racing Moto 60 Show presented by NFAB, flyracing.com. Give away some kinetic gear, rock star gear. And uh, NFAB, n-fab.com, proud sponsors of the GAGR team. Steps, light mounting solutions, anything you need for your 
Jeep, truck, or SUV. Flyracing.com. Flyracing.com. Just trying to time it to the music. Flyracing.com. 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 See you next week.